The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Tuesday, November 28th, 2023. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7. This is the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. We're inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. Happy Tuesday. Another gorgeous day outside. A little chilly on there outside right now, but sun is shining. Man, another gorgeous day in the Auburn. Auburn Opelika area. Hope you're doing well. Lots to talk about on the show today. Uh, continuing to react to the Iron Bowl and getting some, maybe some more clear um, reactions, right? It's been a few days now since the Iron Bowl wrapped up on Saturday evening over at Jordan-Hare, and so still getting some uh, reactions and thoughts and opinions and takeaways from you uh, from the Iron Bowl, myself included. Uh, We'll also have a wonderful guest in the second hour as well. So still talking about the Iron Bowl today. Uh, Talking a little college basketball as well. Got to talk some college football on the uh, great scheme of things when you look at the entire sport of college football and what happened over the Thanksgiving weekend, the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, and everything that happened there. There's a lot to talk about with the conference championship games coming up this weekend. And then coming up in hour number two, Daryl Dapperidge, double D, back on the show. He'll join us here this afternoon coming up at 3.30 later on in hour number two. So excited to talk to him. I uh, didn't get the chance to do it last week since it was the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. He was out traveling. We understand that 100%. So he is back on the show later on this afternoon. So until then, phone lines are open. Give me a call. I'm flying solo here in the studio today. So we'd love to hear from you on the phone lines, 334 334- 321-1390 that number again 334-321-1390 what's on your mind on a Tuesday afternoon what do you want to talk about how are you feeling on this Tuesday November 28th 2023 crazy that november is almost over huh isn't that wild uh, the november is almost done december is friday that is wild to me um that that is the case but here we are, college football season coming down to to the wire, right? College basketball season getting in really good rhythm right now uh, with the ACC-SEC Challenge tipping off tonight. We'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit. But again, want to get your reaction still from what happened on Saturday here in Auburn. 334 334- 321-1390. And a lot of it yesterday, a lot of our conversation when Uncle T-Bone was in the studio, a lot of our conversation was just breaking down the game, right? What had happened starting all the way from the opening kickoff all the way to the 4th and 31 that Alabama converted to, of course, win the game. And 
we broke a lot of that down yesterday. Um, a lot of the you know the, the muffed punt and the decision on that muffed punt with with it being Coy Moore instead of Keontae Scott, who had apparently subbed himself out due to injury, um, in the decision to actually go after the ball, right, to catch the ball or let it roll out. We talked a lot about that. Uh, we talked a lot about the – you got the mistake on that 4th and 31, right? Alabama had not made a mistake hardly all day long. They had not really made a mistake all day long. And then you got the bad snap. Right, You got the bad snap that really set everything up for the 4th and 31 because then you had Milrow who jumped or stepped over the uh, stepped over the line of scrimmage, which he did that a few times, which I thought was kind of interesting. But it had all of that, which led to the 4th and 31. And there's been so much conversation about that 4th and 31, whether it was a drawn-up play, whether it was a miracle play, a Hail Mary play, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it was a heck of a throw and a heck of a catch. And Auburn was in the right defensive formation for the most part. Okay, this is kind of where I stand on this. Everybody in the back, right, everybody in the end zone was in the right spot. It's just really hard to defend for that long. Because we said it yesterday, that's backyard football. That is backyard football that is borderline indefensible. Because everybody's running around like crazy, doing whatever they want to do and whatever they have to do to get open. Now we also have seen a lot of people talking about the spy that Auburn left on Jalen Milrow. I didn't agree with that. I didn't agree with having a spy. There's no reason. And here's what I said yesterday, and I still believe it. I know it's crazy, but I still believe it. You have one of two options on that 4th and 31 play. You either bring the house, you have one-on-one on the outsides, and you bring everybody else. Bring eight of them if you, if you can, and blow up the play before it even starts. That is a high-risk, high-reward. That is a big, big gamble. But if you're going to do it, you better do it. Otherwise, I said, why not just drop all 11 guys? Why even put defensive linemen in the ball game? Drop everybody, put in DBs, linebackers, and receivers, and drop every single person, all 11 of them, and have them defend the goal line with their life. I don't see why you don't do that. And here's the thing. Alabama had a play, but I promise you there's not a play in the playbook for 4th and 31 with the game on the line. There is not one. You have some that are that could work, for that situation. And of course, Alabama found one that did. But the play wasn't the thing that was successful. It was the scramble backyard football play that worked. When Alabama's athletes, Alabama's players, just went and made a play. And at the end of the day, in that final play, that one play alone, I think shows the talent differential We've used that term a lot on this show. That one play alone showed the talent differential between where Alabama is versus where Auburn is. Where other teams are in this conference and in this country compared to where Auburn is. I think that showed it. And here's what's crazy. That play was made on one of Auburn's best defensive backs in DJ James. A guy that I think is going to be playing on Sunday afternoons. 
He's a good player. But they just made a better play. But the problem for me is it never should have gotten to that point. And that's where a lot of frustrations have come in. And here's the problem, too. This is what we now have to talk about for the entire offseason. Right? This is the thing we talk about where Auburn now goes 6-6 six and six in year one under Hugh Freeze. You go 6-6 six and six overall, 3-5 and five in conference play. And you also end the regular season on a two-game losing streak. I know the bowl game's there, and I know there's conversations to be had there as well. And we'll find out where Auburn's going to be bowling pretty soon. And you're going to get some extra practices, right? I think about eight, eight practices that Auburn plans on getting, which is good for some of the young guys. But this team and this coaching staff, they're going to have to figure out who on this roster needs to be here, who wants to be here, who doesn't need to be here, and who doesn't want to be here. You have to find all of that out right now. That is what is happening right now as we speak at the football facility. You have to figure out, okay, which of these guys am I going to have next year? Which ones do I want to have next year? And which ones do I need to have a real conversation with to tell them that their time at Auburn is probably done. And I think we can all agree that there is a massive handful. There's a big chunk of players on this team that do not and will not be here next year. I was going to say don't need to be, but I don't think that's the right, the right way to say that. There's a, a big group of players that will not be here next year, whether it be a pretty heavy senior class Transfer portal, which will be the major chunk, right? I mean, that's where they're all going to go. And Auburn's just got to get better. Auburn has to get better. You got to get better talent. And sure, Hugh Freeze and this coaching staff are going to do everything they can to make that happen through the high school ranks. But it's only year two coming up. You can make a lot of progress there, but you're still going to have to support yourself through the transfer portal. Hopefully not as much as you did in year one, right? That's the hope is, okay, we're bringing in a top 10 recruiting class, which I think could get better. I think it's going to get better than what it is right now. We bring in this top 10, maybe top five recruiting class, and you only have to go and get a select few guys out of the transfer portal rather than we're going to take everybody that we can possibly get to fill out an 85-man roster. That's the hope for 2024 in the football season, is that the incoming recruiting class, numbers-wise and skills-wise, can make up and make you better than what you were this season, to where you only have to handpick a few out of the transfer portal. One of those will be a quarterback, and I think it needs to be a quarterback. And I think everybody listening, maybe not everybody, but I think most of you would agree that Auburn at least needs a quarterback to push somebody, to get another body in the room, to get another arm on the field. Because Peyton Thorne, Peyton Thorne got better this season. I think he did. I think he got better this season. But as he... Is he the ultimate answer at quarterback for Auburn? I'm asking you. 
Is Peyton Thorne the answer? 334-321-1390. Give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. And if he's not, is it somebody that's already here? Is it Holden Gurner if he hangs around? Is it Walker White who's coming in? Who's, again, been one of the best recruiters for Auburn football that there is. I mean, that guy, that guy was literally wearing a sweatshirt on Saturday with the names of uncommitted guys that he wants to come to Auburn. Like, what else can you want from the guy? Is he the answer for Auburn at quarterback in the future? I think there's arguments to be made for all three. Or is it somebody completely different? Is it a completely different quarterback that's either planning on entering the transfer portal because the window's technically not open yet? Is it somebody that intends to enter the transfer portal or maybe hasn't even thought about it yet? Maybe there's no smoke about them entering the transfer portal and we have no idea who it could be. I think there's options. I think there's arguments for all of those. But I think one thing that most people, most Auburn fans could agree on and can agree on right now, I think you need some help in the quarterback room. You need some help. And it's the same thing as we've seen in the past where it's not going to hurt you to bring in another talented guy, right? And I would like to do it before spring because you saw Peyton come in and didn't get the spring practice, right? He didn't come in until after spring and didn't get to practice until the fall. And I think that affected him negatively. I think it impacted him. And so if Auburn can go and find somebody before that and bring them in and have a good spring practice with some of these recruits that are going to be early enrollees, then you're talking. Now you're talking. Now you have something to build on and something to work with, and then you have options. And I think that's what Auburn needs. Auburn needs some options, especially at the quarterback spot. Because I know technically this year Auburn had options with Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford, but did we ever think that Robbie was going to take over and be the guy or for how some people have talked about it, would get his opportunity to do so? Did we ever really think that was going to happen in 2023? Honestly, I didn't. I think there were times it needed to happen. I think there were times where it may have been the better option to go that route. But I don't think that was really ever going to happen. Especially now, looking back. Hindsight 2020, of course. But looking back, this was Peyton's team the entire way. It was his, it was his job. And I know there were times where Robbie was in and had more plays and had packages and all that mess, but Peyton was QB1. And I don't think that was going to change. Could it change next year? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a large group of people that think it should. But to do that, I think you have to go get another quarterback. I do. I just think you have to. And there's some other things going on, I know, with, with recruiting, right? Everybody's still wanting to know can Auburn still pull those other big fish that are out there? And the big one is Cam Coleman from Texas A&M, who is committed to Texas A&M, I should say. And there's some big news about that today. Right? In case you haven't seen, there's reports that Damian Craig not going to be retained at Texas A&M under new head coach Mike Elko, which we got to talk about that too. What a crazy story that is. 
But there's a lot of Auburn fans right now that are wanting him to return to Auburn, come back to Auburn and be a coach. And we know from what we've heard and been told that he was a big reason for Cam Coleman to be committed to Texas A&M. Because Coleman hasn't said or decommitted or anything since Jimbo Fisher got fired. Could this be the reason he decommits from Texas A&M? Could it be a situation where Auburn hires Damian Craig and he's the reason that Cam Coleman comes to the Plains? I don't know. It's what a lot of Auburn fans are talking about right now. And man, how big would that be? Right? How big would that be to get the other big receiver in the state? With Perry Thompson already committed, if you pull Cam Coleman, you're still working on Ryan Williams. You never know. And I think a lot of people are excited about that. There's a lot of movement right now in college football, in recruiting, in coaching, in players, in the transfer portal. I know it hasn't opened, but there's a lot of guys already intending to jump in it when it opens. There's a lot going on right now, and Auburn's right in the middle of it. Some good and some bad. 334-321-1390. Give me a call. Let's have a conversation on a Tuesday afternoon. We'll talk some college basketball when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. All right, welcome back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge studio here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I want to talk college basketball, but oh my oh my gosh, I just saw a tweet from Pete Thamel, or a, a post on X, whatever, during the break. This may be the wildest thing I've ever seen. It's the craziest thing I've seen so far today. This was about 30 minutes ago, so I'm a little behind. If you've seen it, I apologize. But Pete Thamel, Posted at 1.47 p.m. local time. He said, from sources, Arkansas is vetting hiring former head coach Bobby Petrino as the school's next offensive coordinator. Petrino has indicated in the recruiting space that he's in the mix for an SEC coordinator job. Let me say that again. Sources, according to Pete Thamel, Arkansas was vetting hiring former head coach Bobby Petrino as the school's next offensive coordinator. Petrino has indicated in the recruiting space that he's in the mix for an SEC coordinator job. Some of you may be asking, Jacob, what does vetting mean? What does that mean that Arkansas is vetting hiring him? Well, here's the definition of vetting for you. It is to make a careful and critical examination of something. So basically, Arkansas is considering hiring Bobby Petrino as their new offensive coordinator. What? That is unbelievable. That would give Bobby Petrino possibly the craziest coaching resume in the history of college football. Are you serious? Oh my gosh. Would they actually do it? That's my question. Would they actually do it? I guess if they're considering it, I guess if they're considering it, holy smokes. And the people in the comments are ruthless. Somebody said, here's a quick photo edit of what he would look like in Arkansas clothing 
and it's the legendary picture of him at the press conference with the neck brace on, that's fantastic. The internet is undefeated for that. That's fantastic. Wow. I, I had to talk about I had to at least bring that up because that is wild to me. I mean, the internet's going nuts. Everybody's going crazy. That's that's fantastic. Well, I'll keep you updated because that is hilarious to me. Uh, that Arkansas is thinking about bringing Petrino back to Fayetteville. Wow. Okay. Well, with that, let's do our best to transition here and talk a little college basketball. I know we haven't talked a lot about it with so much football things going on, and we're going to get to some more college football coming up in just a little bit. Uh, phone lines are open, 334 334- Three two one thirteen ninety. 1390 Looking at some college basketball, question of the day. Which games are you most excited for in the SEC-ACC Challenge? Because that begins tonight in college basketball. And not just that, there are some really good games just in general in college basketball over the next five to seven days. Um, this SEC-ACC Challenge will start there because, of course, Auburn is a part of it. It is interesting, to say the least. And it's interesting because it's different, right? It's different because it used to be the SEC Big 12 Challenge, which would take place in late January in the middle of the conference or middle of the conference season, right? End of January, it was typically like that last Saturday of conference play in late January, or that last Saturday of January in conference play. My apologies. And I kind of liked that. I don't know. I liked it. You got a, a solid month of playing SEC basketball, right? You normally start late December, early January for that. You play a solid month of straight SEC basketball. And then one Saturday, you get to kind of take a break from that and play a really good team from the Big 12, either going to their place or they come here. And... I really, really enjoyed that, right? Playing teams like Baylor and Iowa State and Kansas State and Oklahoma State, right? Some teams that I can rattle off the top of my head because, you know, Kentucky always plays Kansas and you know, I think Duke played Tennessee a few years ago and and that was always cool to me. Or I that wouldn't have made sense. You know what I'm saying. But I think this Duke or this ACC SEC challenge could be interesting because you've got some really good matchups and I'm looking at Tonight and tomorrow, right? Look at tonight and tomorrow. Here's all the different games. Mississippi State, who, if you haven't been paying attention to college basketball, that's a top 25 team going on the road to Georgia Tech. Notre Dame traveling to South Carolina. Syracuse hosting LSU. These are all tonight. You have Missouri and Pitt. NC State and Ole Miss. Clemson on the road in Tuscaloosa. Tomorrow, taking on Alabama. Or tonight, excuse me. Clemson on the road, taking on Alabama tonight. Alabama's a top 25 team. Clemson's 5-0, and if you can believe it or not. And the game of the night is number 8 Miami, who is 5-0 and this season. On the road in Lexington at Rupp, taking on number 12 Kentucky. What a great game that is in the ACC-SEC Challenge. Then tomorrow, you have... A top 20 matchup, number 10 Tennessee on the road in Chapel Hill, taking on 17 North Carolina. That's a fantastic game. How about number 14 Texas A&M, who is a sneaky good team, on the road at Virginia, which 
That's not a great Virginia team, but they play that weird brand of basketball where they're okay if they score 30 points and then they they get confused and they wonder why they don't win games when they only score 40 and the other team scores 60. It's crazy, I know. Florida on the road at Wake Forest and Duke on the road at Arkansas tomorrow. Now that game has lost a little bit of its juice because Arkansas has struggled out of the game. They're 4 and 3. They're 4 and 3, but their three losses are tough. Well, one of them is not. But the other two, Memphis and North Carolina, those are tough losses. I don't know so much about UNC Greensboro. I don't think that's a tough loss. I don't think you can shake that. Boston College and Vanderbilt, Georgia on the road at Florida State and oh yeah. Virginia Tech coming here to the Plains to take on Auburn tomorrow night. It's a 5 and 2 Virginia Tech team. Not too bad. Auburn of course 4 and 1, 2 and 0 at home so far this season. So overall, there's some good games in the SCC ACC Challenge and it's something different. It's something new. And I know Auburn fans are not overly excited about Virginia Tech. I know they're not excited about the start time. 8.15 tomorrow night? Ugh, that's late. Some of us got to go to bed. Some of us have to work the next day. I don't know. I think it could be fun, though. I think there's cool matchups. And I hope Auburn can get some big draws in the future. And I think with these two conferences, it creates some really cool situations. When we come back, want to talk some college football. What happened this weekend outside of the Iron Bowl? And where do we sit when it comes to the college football playoff moving into conference championship week? We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are On the Line with Jacob Goertz. On ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We are halfway through hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. Flying solo today, Uncle T-Bone. He'll be back tomorrow uh, here in the studio. We'll have Daryl Dapperich join us later on in the show on the phone lines as well. And so uh, looking forward to what he has to say about uh, what happened in the Iron Bowl on Saturday, what we're looking into as the offseason is upon us for Auburn football and get his thoughts on Auburn basketball as well. So that's coming up in hour number two. Give me a call, 334-321-1390, whatever is on your mind here on a Tuesday afternoon, football, basketball, uh, whatever you want to talk about, I'd love to uh, to get you on the show, 334-321-1390. I know there's a lot of, of – there was a lot of people – especially here locally, of course, tuned into the Iron Bowl this weekend. But there were other games happening, and there were other things going on in the world of college football. And we got to talk about those. We got to talk about what happened this weekend because, man, there were some big games and there were some big results. And it started on Friday night. It started Friday night with number 6 Oregon hosting number 16 Oregon State. And this was a game where Oregon State could have really done some damage, right? They played Washington a week ago, and they played Oregon this past weekend, this past Friday night. And they could have done some damage to to what the Pac-12 had going for them. And if they had won this game, it would have been up to Washington to get into the college football playoff. Well, 
Oregon didn't slip up a bit. Oregon ran away with it, 31-7, to and it really wasn't even close. It was 21-7 to at the half, and they didn't look back. And it let Oregon State score another point in the second half. And so Oregon is now a top six team. They are solely in, basically their, their future is in their hands, right? Oregon playing Washington this weekend. We'll talk about that in just a second. But Oregon took care of business in their final regular season game. You know who else took care of business in their regular season finale? was the Texas Longhorns. Have you forgotten about them yet? They're trying to make sure you don't because they have one of the best wins in college football on the road by double digits over Alabama, right in Bryant-Denny Stadium. They have one loss all season long, and in their regular season finale, they had a, a small victory of 57-7 to over Texas Tech, who is a 6-6 six and six team, but still, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. You look around into Saturday, and rankings-wise, implications-wise, the biggest game of the day, the biggest game of the weekend, was played in Ann Arbor when the number 2 Ohio State Buckeyes went on the road to take on number 3 Michigan. And in a sloppy game, in a back-and-forth type of game that really never, never felt like this game got a whole lot of momentum going in it and had a controversial touchdown in there, which... If you know what I'm talking about, it was a catch. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it was a catch. But Michigan beats Ohio State 30-24. to And if you remember, Jim Harbaugh was still not on the sidelines for this game. This was another game. This was the last game that he was not on the sidelines for because of the suspension. He's now back. He's been at practice in in the facility and everything. But he was not on the sidelines. And Michigan didn't skip a beat. I mean, they didn't skip a beat at all. And they're now undefeated. They'll go play in the Big Ten Championship game, and they will destroy the Big Ten West because that's just what happens every time. They'll play Iowa, and they're going to beat them 50-5 to because Iowa can't score. And so Michigan, as long as they do what they're supposed to do, they'll be in the college football playoff, right? And here's what's crazy, too is Michigan has now beaten Ohio State three times in a row. Three times in a row in that rivalry is not cool, folks. That's a rivalry that in recent years, in my lifetime anyway, Ohio State has dominated. Dominated that rivalry. And there were some rumblings over the weekend that Texas A&M may have wanted to go after Mr. Ryan Day at Ohio State. There were rumors. There were things flying around that Ryan Day could be the next one to take the Texas A&M job. Of course, that did not happen because they eventually hired Mike Elko from Duke, which I think is a great hire for Texas A&M. I think it's a good hire to bring him back to Aggieland, to College Station. I think it's a good winning coach, but it's not just the biggest, flashiest hire that they could make like they did with Jimbo Fisher, right? They hired that big name. They legitimately rolled out the red carpet when Jimbo Fisher showed up. When he got off the jet, the band was there, the red carpet was there, they had the truck there, everything. Like, they had everything ready for Jimbo Fisher. Not so much with Mike Elko. They hired him, it was, it was big news, but they kind of kept it low-key, right? And I think a lot of people have already forgotten about it. 
But I think that's a really good hire. A&M fans, from what I can see, are kind of torn, I guess. They're like, yeah, we'll see where it goes. Right? Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see if he can if he can do anything here. The question I think with him is can he continue to recruit? If he can recruit, I think he's a better football coach than Jimbo Fisher is. I do. The guy was winning at Duke. I think people are forgetting that Duke is not a good football school. They are not. They are a basketball blue blood. And he came in he came in and did something that not many people have been able to do, and that's win in football at Duke. And I know they've been good for the recent years, but I feel like people have forgotten that they used to not be good. They're not supposed to be good. And so, good for him for getting hired by Texas A&M, and we'll see what they can do. But circling back to Ohio State-Michigan, that all got circled up because of the Ryan Day stuff. Also with that... I mentioned this earlier, and I wanted to come back to this, and I'm glad I remembered. How about the Mark Stoop stuff? Did you see that over the weekend? Did you see that there was all sorts of fishy things going on with the possibility of Mark Stoops from Kentucky going to Texas A&M? Oh, man. Oh, man. A&M fans were livid. They were going nuts because they thought Mark Stoops was about to be hired at Texas A&M. And I'm curious on what you have to think or what you have to say about that or what you think about it because could Mark Stoops do it at A&M? Could he win at Texas A&M? If they would have gone that route, would the Stoops era at Texas A&M been successful? I just don't know. I don't know. I like Stoops. I do. I like him a lot. And I think he's hit his ceiling at Kentucky because I think that is the ceiling for Kentucky football. But I don't know. I don't know if he would have done it at AM. It's a place that, yeah, it recruits itself. It does. It recruits itself because of the money and the facilities and whatever. But could he have done it at AM? I, I think there's been too many times where he made the wrong coaching decision or got out coached one too many times for me to be overly comfortable with that. But I don't know. That was a wild story, too. And I'm not going to go into all the details, but man, that was wild. You also had Mississippi State hire uh, Jeff Levy from Oklahoma as their head football coach. Another hire that's not overly wild and, and not going to make massive headlines, but I think a solid hire for them. But anyway, back to what happened results-wise over the weekend, and that all kind of funnels into each other, but Florida State wasn't pretty. They beat Florida on the road 24-15. Louisville dropped the ball for whatever reason. Louisville was having a miracle season. Not many people were talking about it. And then they said, you know what? We're going to let a really bad Kentucky team come on the road to Louisville and we're going to let them beat us in our house 38-31 and can just totally punt on our college football playoff chances. Because they still had a chance. They still had a chance to backdoor their way in to the Final Four. Not anymore. Not anymore. All they can do now is play spoiler to the ACC. And we'll talk about that in just a second as well. So that's where this sits. And Washington beat Washington State 24-21. Wasn't pretty, but they got the win. So overall, everything that happened, everything that should have happened, I think, 
happened because I think I thought Michigan was going to beat Ohio State. I think they're a better team than Ohio State. And so now you flash forward to what's happening this weekend. It's conference championship weekend. You have Oregon and Washington in the rematch. Remember, Washington beat Oregon way back when in a three-point game where Oregon kicked a field goal to tie and send it to overtime, and they missed. So you have that rematch on Friday night. You have Oklahoma State and Texas, which is a top-20 matchup. Oklahoma State, 9-3, and three, number 20 in the country. Texas, number 7, looking to backdoor their way in to the college football playoff. You also have number 1 Georgia and number 8 Alabama, which many people are claiming this as a play-in game. Many people are saying the winner is in and the loser is out. And I'm going to talk about that in a second as well. You have Michigan-Iowa. What an ugly game. Here's, here's all you need to know. Michigan's favored by 23 points in their conference championship game. That's all you need to know. And Louisville playing Florida State. And it's just... There's so many great conference championship games and they all have playoff implications. I love it. I absolutely love it. You have undefeated Georgia as the number one team in the country. right? You have them as the team trying to get in that hasn't lost. right? They handled their business. And they're playing Alabama in what could be a play-in game. Do you believe that? Do you believe that whoever wins the SEC championship is in and the loser is out? I just don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm there yet. I don't know because you have new rankings coming out tonight for the college football playoff and I don't think many things are going to change, right? I don't think there's a whole lot that's going to be different. But this weekend's going to affect everything. It's going to affect everything. But when I look at a conference like the ACC, that's the easy one to break down. If Florida State wins and they're undefeated, how can you leave them out? How can you leave out an undefeated ACC champion in Florida State? I know their quarterback, Jordan Travis, he's out for the year. But you can't punish the whole team because of that. Do I think they're a top four team without him? No, I don't. But you can't punish them for that. That's not their fault. It's not the team's fault. It's not the coach's fault. It's not the defense's fault. It's nobody's fault, right? You can't leave them out because of that. You then have the Big 12 situation. If Texas wins, they're a 12-1 and team and Big 12 champs. And they're currently on the outside looking in. I think the Pac-12 could be a play-in game, right? I think the Pac-12 could be a situation with Washington and Oregon. If Washington wins, duh, they're in. Undefeated Pac-12 champ beat Oregon twice. They're in. Oregon's out. But what happens if Oregon wins? What happens if the Ducks get the rematch in the game that means more But Washington's only loss is to Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. And I leave that result open because you have the same sort of situation in the SEC. Not quite. But you have undefeated Georgia and one loss Alabama. What happens if Georgia wins, they're in, Alabama's out. 
But what happens if Alabama wins? What happens if the Crimson Tide, coming off of their exciting win over Auburn in the Iron Bowl, what happens if they beat Georgia and the Dogs' only loss is in their conference championship game? Same thing with Washington. Do you punish a team for going undefeated all season long and then losing because they made it to their conference championship game? Do you punish them for that? That's the question that I ask you, and that's what we'll ponder when we come back. 334-321-1390. We're going to get to the phone lines when we come back as well as we wrap up hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up our number one as we get to the phone line, 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, Jacob. Jacob, if TC, uh, excuse me, if FSU wins and goes undefeated, they have to get in. But they'll be the number four seed, which means they get number one, and then you've got Georgia TCU all over again. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a, a pretty fair guess um, and, and a prediction of how that game would go. But – uh, again, I just don't think you can leave Florida State out because their quarterback got hurt. I mean, they no, no way, you know. And look, the, the ACC is terrible. Uh, it's a bad conference. It's the worst of the Power Five by far. Um, but if you go undefeated in college football, that means something, and I think you need to be rewarded for it. I, I agree. I agree. It's like like playing Kentucky in football, and the end of the game, they said, "We'll see you in April." <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. It's it's going to get a little ugly here. But um, the one thing that can prevent all of this is if it just goes like the way it should, if it goes chalk, right? If everybody that's supposed to win wins, nothing matters. And the top right. four will remain the same, and none of this matters. And I, I agree with you. I think Georgia-Alabama is a play-in game because I don't think any way in the world Alabama gets in a two-loss two team. I don't no. think they ever put a two-loss team in. No, and there's been a lot of talk about could the SEC be left out if Alabama wins, and I don't think so. There's no shot in my mind that the SEC gets left out of the college football playoff. Yeah, but it's sure going to be fun to watch the Texas people go absolutely ape if 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 Texas don't get in, Alabama does. Which they have an argument. Yeah, they do. They sure do. Take care, Jacob. Appreciate it, Terry. Thanks for the call. 334-321-1390. I've seen that narrative going around too, right? If Alabama beats Georgia and Alabama's in a 12-1 SEC champ and Georgia's a 12-1 non-SEC champ and Texas wins – You'd have Michigan, let's say Washington wins, let's say Florida State wins. Could Texas be bumped above Georgia and Alabama and make it into the playoff and the Dogs and the Crimson Tide be on the outside looking in? There's no shot. There's no chance. There's no possible way that the team who's been basically the number one team all year long in the Georgia Bulldogs, the only time they slip up is when to Alabama in their SEC championship game? No, I don't think so. I don't think there's any way that Georgia gets left out. The only possible way is if you get beat 65 to nothing in an embarrassment and Carson Beck goes down, right, or whatever. But I just don't see that happening. Because remember what all of this is about. Remember what the college football playoff is about. It's about the dollar sign. It's about the money. And if you leave the SEC completely out of it, you're losing millions, if not billions of dollars 
if you are ESPN, the college, uh, college football playoff, everybody that's involved there, you're going to lose out on hundreds of millions of dollars if you lose out either Georgia or Alabama. One of them has to be in. So that's why I don't think, even if Alabama wins, I don't know, man. I don't know. But like I told Terry, if everything goes the way it should, if everything goes chalk, your top four remains the same. Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State. Boom, there you go. There's your top four. But where it gets interesting is if Oregon beats Washington. I think that's a play-in game. But again, here's my, here's my argument, but it, I'm kind of contradicting myself because I, I'm, I'm agreeing but also disagreeing here. If a team goes undefeated in the regular season and your only loss is a close loss in the conference championship game, in my opinion, most of the time, you should not be punished for playing the extra game. Right? We've seen Alabama squeeze in before because they didn't have to play the conference championship game. They didn't have to take the extra loss. And they squeezed in because somebody else did. But why should you be punished for being a good team, for getting to your championship game, and you lose a close one? Blowouts are a different story. Blowouts are a different story. But even then, I still think the point stands. Why should you be punished for playing the extra game and that's your only slip-up? Because if the conference championship game didn't exist, you'd have your four playoff teams right now. And I think eventually that's where we're headed. With an expanded playoff and conferences getting bigger, I think that's where we're headed. I think you'll have regular season champions and then you'll have at-large bids. But there's not, there's not going to be a need for conference championship games. And really, they're going to hurt They're going to hurt these teams if they continue playing conference championship games because it's a whole extra game, man. That's a lot. At the end of the year, that's a lot. And so the point or the question remains, if Oregon beats Washington, do you leave Washington out for losing their one championship game because they went undefeated? I think that one's a little bit different because it's a rematch. They've already beaten Oregon. But do you use that as ammunition? Crazy, man. Crazy what could happen this weekend in conference championship games. And Texas has a huge argument. If they do what they're supposed to do, they're 12-1, and one, and they have a win over Alabama, especially if they win the SEC. Like, oh, my – oh, hurts my brain. Hurts my brain, but it's also – it's my favorite game. It's the what-if game. And I love it. I absolutely love it. We'll talk about it some more as we get through the rest of the week. But coming up in hour number two, we'll talk some more Auburn football, Auburn basketball. Plus, Daryl Daprich joins us coming up in hour number two. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line. 
with Jacob Goins. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Tuesday, November 28th, 2023, as we get underway here in hour number two. If you missed any of the first hour, you can go and catch up with the podcast after the show today. We post it commercial-free wherever you get your podcasts, if you just search on the line, or go to ESPNAU.com. It's our station website. You can find it there as well. Again, we posted commercial free. Uh, we talked some Auburn football in hour number one. We talked some SEC basketball in the first hour. Uh, what else we talk about? Oh yeah, we talked about a college football playoff, the results from this past weekend, and looking ahead to the college football playoff and how this weekend's set of conference championship games uh, really impact that. And uh, kind of trying to predict what in the world's going to happen A, with the games, and then B, also predicting if Team A wins over Team B, who gets into the college football playoff, right? It's a lot of fun, um, and and those questions will be answered come Sunday after the conference championship games and then the college football playoff rankings, the final rankings are released. But if you have comments on that, on basketball, football, whatever's on your mind, Give me a call. Phone lines are open here in hour number two, 334-321-1390. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, in the studio, uh, flying solo today, as I do on Tuesdays and Thursdays here in the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. Daryl Daprich, the Montgomery radio legend himself, will join us coming up in about 30 minutes or so at 3.30. He'll join us on the phone lines. We'll get his thoughts and reactions from the Iron Bowl on Saturday, plus talk some Auburn basketball as they play tomorrow night. Uh, against Virginia Tech in the SEC ACC Challenge. But again, phone lines are open 334 321 1390. Whatever you want to talk about. Are you over the Iron Bowl? Have you moved on already? Or are you still just kind of upset about it? Are you still just like, what in the world happened? I'm still looking for an explanation. Still want to talk about it. How do you feel about that on this Tuesday afternoon? This is typically the day where we break it down a little bit deeper. We've started doing that a little bit. And then tomorrow is when you start flipping the page right to the next game. But there really isn't a next game. There's a bowl game. But that's not for a couple of weeks. The regular season's done. And it's wild that we are to this point. It's wild that we're talking about college, or we're talking the college football playoff, and we're talking conference championship games this weekend I just don't know I don't know where the football season went man I don't know where it went and it's sad I hate it I mean I don't get me wrong I love college basketball I love college basketball more than most but football's so much fun in this year one under Hugh Freeze was fun It was also disappointing at times. It was very up and down. But at the end of the day, somebody brought this up yesterday, and I want to go back to this. Somebody brought this up yesterday, and and I want to go back to it. Auburn went 6-6 and this year. Six wins and six losses. Three of those wins in conference play, five of those losses in conference play. Right, You have to go all the way back to when Auburn started the year 3-0 and 
with a 59-14 win over UMass, a 14-10 win over Cal on the road in Berkeley, and a 45-13 win over Sanford. And the confidence was pretty high, right? We were worried coming off of the Cal game. It's like, okay, that was pretty ugly, right? That was a pretty ugly performance Auburn just put on, but they found a way to win, right? They found a way to beat Cal, which I know that's not a good Cal team, but just hang with me. They found the way to win. Then they came back and put on a pretty good performance against Sanford, We thought they had maybe answered some of the offensive struggle questions, but we also knew that it was Samford. The big test was going to be when this team went on the road to Texas A&M. And if you don't turn the ball over, if you can move the ball at all, if you make a couple of plays here and there, you have a chance to win that game. You lose it 27-10. to But you look at the halftime score, you remember what that halftime score was? It was six to three. It was six to three at the half. After everything that had happened in that game, Auburn had a horrible start, played terrible the whole first half, and all in all, you're down six to three. You also had Texas A&M's backup quarterback come in because the starter got hurt. And like Auburn has done in the past, They let the backup come in and play pretty darn good. And Texas A&M just beat you. They beat you 27-10. to But that wasn't the worst loss in the world. Because it's like, okay, you remember what we were talking about on this show. We were like, okay, Auburn's got some things to fix. And you don't have a whole lot of time to do it because here comes the number one team in the country, Georgia. And in that game, You still did not play well. But you played good enough to win the game. You just didn't. Because you got out to your best start of the year. 10-0. Just like that, it was 10-rip. 10-0 off the rip. You let Georgia score 10 more, and you're tied at the half. You're tied going into the fourth quarter. 17-all. And then you let Brock Bowers do his thing, Of course, this was before he got injured. And you let Brock Bowers do his thing, and Georgia had a miracle, or I wouldn't say a miracle, I had a magical drive with Brock Bowers, and they ended up pulling away and beating you 27-20. to In that game, that was the first time this season that we started really using the talent differential conversation. You could see it a little bit in Texas A&M, but you could really see it in the Georgia game. Then you had the LSU game. That one was just a that was a rough one. Right? That was a rough game. Because that was you came off of the Georgia game where you had your best start of the year and you back it up with your worst start of the year. Because it was 17 nothing LSU before you could even blink. And that was it. It was over. It was over. Auburn had their chances in that second quarter late down there in Baton Rouge to kind of make it a ball game, and they did get the touchdown, but you're down 20-7, to and, and Jaden Daniels and LSU just never looked back. Never looked back and had a Heisman performance that night, put up 48 points. So that was something where that was always going to be a tough game. Given what that LSU offense was, that was always going to be a tough game. 
And so at that point, right, Auburn had started 3-0, and and then you had three-game losing streak. You're now 3-3. Three and And you come back home for that Ole Miss game. For an Ole Miss team that to that point in the season had looked good but not anything great. And that was yet again another game that Auburn played well enough to win but just couldn't make the plays when they had to. Couldn't make the plays when they needed to because guess what? That game was tied at the half, 14-all. But then you just couldn't get over the hump in the second half. You couldn't move the ball in the second half. You couldn't score in the second half. You get the late touchdown, sure, but you were down by 14 in that game, but you do lose it by a touchdown. And so there again was a game that you played well enough to win that you just didn't. And in that Ole Miss game, that was not a talent differential. That was just, you got outplayed, maybe even outcoached at times. And you had a better offense on the other side with Jackson Dart versus Peyton Thorne and Auburn's offense. So there was the big game right there. But you, if you remember that fourth quarter, that fourth quarter for Auburn, you could see it a little bit, right? You could see it kind of click just a hair. And you were like, okay, now off this four-game losing streak, how does this team respond? How do they respond? How do they come out and play? How do they look offensively and defensively and mentally was the big question, right? That's what the big question became. And you come out and you beat Mississippi State and maybe not the prettiest game, but you got the win, 27-13. to You then go on the road to Vanderbilt and you handle your business. Again, it got sketchy late, but you handled your business, 31-15. to And then you go on the road to Arkansas, a game that I said you had to have at that point. You had to have the Arkansas game. Because you look at where this team was, 3-0, and then 3-4, and and now you're 5-4. and The Arkansas game was where you got bowl eligibility. And you didn't just get bowl eligibility that afternoon in Fayetteville, Arkansas. You dominated and stole bowl eligibility. Took what was yours that afternoon over in Fayetteville. And you wiped the floor with Arkansas 48-10. to And at that point, Auburn fans are thinking, okay, here we go. Right? Where has this been all year? And get, that's a bad Arkansas team. But who cares? You had gone on the road and done that. And the first time in a long time for Auburn football. To go on the road in a game, if you remember, a game that Auburn was the underdog in. Auburn was the underdog in that game against Arkansas. And you go out there and you beat them 48-10 to and embarrass them on their home field. Vibes are high. The energy's high. Everybody's excited. We're going to a bowl game. Great chance to get to seven wins this weekend. We can win eight games this year if we take down Alabama in the Iron Bowl coming up next week. And then the trip up happened. Then the trip up happened. The look ahead game, if you will. The underprepared game, if you will. Whatever you want to call it. You let New Mexico State come in here and bully you for four quarters where you were underprepared. 
you were not ready, you were not focused, and you were not the better team that night. And New Mexico State was. They thought they could win. They knew they could win. And they put a game plan together to do just that. And that's exactly what they did. They came in and won the ball game. And so then everybody was worried. Everybody was flipping out, right? There goes all the progress. It's gone. Everything Auburn had built in this last three-game winning streak is gone. And Auburn's going to get destroyed, killed by Alabama. It's going to be a blowout by 50. So then here we were again for the second or third time this season where we were questioning, okay, what's this team going to look like coming out of the locker room today? What are they going to look like coming off of this game? And they answered the call. They answered the call on Saturday. Auburn was a two-touchdown underdog. Everybody and their mom was picking Alabama to win by 20-plus. And Auburn had the, the taste of victory ripped from their mouths at the very end of the ballgame. And so yet again, you played well enough to win. So I count Alabama. I count Ole Miss. I count Georgia. I'm not going to count Texas A&M or LSU. But that's three games this year that I genuinely think Auburn played well enough to win the game. If certain things happen, if they make certain plays, they played good enough for four quarters to win the ball game. That takes you from six and six to nine and three. And my point by going through all of this and doing all of this is what you want in the future is for those to become wins. You want those to become wins because you have the talent to do so. You want those to become wins because you believe you have the coaching to do so and the game plan to do so and the atmosphere to do so and the confidence to do so. That's what Auburn fans want right now. That's what they want moving forward. Six and six is what we talked about way back in August. We talked about six and six, seven and five. But how did I word it? If you're with me here every day, how did I word that? I said Auburn can go six and six if it's a competitive six and six. If you show some fight, if you show some heart, if you show some growth, six and six would be okay. We'd prefer seven and five, sure. But six wins would not be the end of the world in year one if you showed progress along the way. And so I ask you, did Auburn get better throughout the season? Did this Auburn team and this Auburn program, did they get better from the start to the end of 2023 in this season? From way back against UMass all the way through the Iron Bowl. Did Auburn football get better in year one? 334-321-1390. That's the question we have to ponder the entire offseason. Is 6-6 six and six good enough based off of what we saw on and off the field? I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We'll talk some more when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. 
Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. All right, back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. I'm your man, Jacob Goins. Got a few more minutes before uh, Daryl Daprich, the uh, Montgomery radio legend and the guest of Locked on Auburn, will join us on the phone lines as he does every Tuesday at 3.30. Until then... Phone lines are open, so you can continue uh, to call in and talk about whatever's on your mind on a Tuesday afternoon. 334-321-1390. Earlier we talked some college basketball, and I want to go back to more specifically for Auburn. Uh, They play tomorrow night, and we'll talk some about it tomorrow as well when Auburn's actually playing, but uh, they are playing in the... SEC ACC Challenge, the new, uh, the new. It's not a tournament, I guess. The event, if you want to call it that, um, in college basketball, where it has replaced the former SEC Big Twelve Challenge uh, that used to be played in late January, right there in the middle of conference play, conference season. And I really enjoyed that. I did. I really enjoyed the SEC Big 12 Challenge. It brought us some really good matchups um, with Texas and Oklahoma being in there. Of course, they'll be a part of the SEC next year. Uh, But Kansas and Kansas State and Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, right? Some really, really good teams and programs over the years that matched up with some really good SEC teams and programs over the years. Um, But that has changed. That no longer exists, and it is now the SEC ACC Challenge, and it is being played, of course, here in late November. Okay, I mean, you know, I like the SEC ACC, that's fine. I'm cool with that. Um, The ACC has been one of the best conferences in college basketball for a long, long time, and of course, teams like Duke and North Carolina have helped carry that load. Uh, Virginia has been in there, whether Auburn fans like it or not. I mean, they've got a national championship. So that has been a good conference over the years. I just don't like it being played in November with all of the other conference games, or the non-conference games. I liked it in January. I did. I liked it late January. You took the break from SEC play, played on a Saturday. All the games were on one day. Right, All the games starting at 11 a.m. all the way through like 11 o'clock that night on a Saturday, man. I loved that day in college basketball, but I think I'm going to enjoy this as well. And there's some interesting matchups, including Auburn hosting Virginia Tech tomorrow at Neville Arena, 8.15 start time. Hopefully we can uh, stay up for that because that's kind of late over there, but looking forward to that game tomorrow night. Let's get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with? Hey, that's Mark. How hey, you doing? Today? I'm good, Mark. How are you, brother? Great, man. Got a question. Yeah. Hey, uh, have, did you notice that there are several games starting late tomorrow? Yeah, there are. There's uh, multiple there. I know Auburn starts, of course, 8-15. Uh, I'm looking at Duke-Arkansas, 8-15. Arkansas. Uh, Boston College-Vanderbilt. I know we'll all stay up and have our main TV on that game. Um, and then <laughs> uh, Georgia-Florida State tomorrow night at 8-15 as well. Right. Uh, I just got off work, so you may have already talked about this. Uh, the schedule for next year... Uh, for for Auburn uh, football or basketball? Yeah, football. Okay. And I noticed, you know, at the last three of the last four games Alabama has are at LSU, at Oklahoma, and home to Auburn. Mm-hmm. Do you do you guess? Have you already talked about this today? No, no, I haven't. Nope, I have not. Okay. 
Well, I was just wondering, what do you think Auburn's last three games are going to look like? I wonder if we're going to get Texas like late. I mean, uh, Oklahoma at home late. You know what? So I was just curious as to what's your opinion on how that's going to come out. Yeah, yeah, I think it's interesting because, you know, it hasn't fully been – um, decided yet there's some games that have kind of you know squeaked out and been leaked out I think they talked about uh, Georgia and Alabama playing in early September or mid-September next year um, so that'll be of course that's a big game but yeah for Auburn uh, the games that have been decided um, are of course the Iron Bowl on November 30th and then your non-conference games and so yeah it could it could stack up for Auburn to be either really good or really bad because you have home games uh, with Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, and Vanderbilt, and then you have your road games at Alabama, at Georgia, at Kentucky, at Missouri. So depending on how those stack up, Mark, I mean, it could, I mean, it could be really good. And, you know, we know Georgia being earlier in the season now, I think that helps Auburn. Um, and so I think there's uh, some really good possibilities, and I think there are some really tough possibilities as well. I think you're right. I think you, yeah, they do. September 14th on the road in Wisconsin, believe it or not. That's right. And it's sure going to be nice to hear, uh, not to see Cupcake City all over the place, but uh, welcome everybody to our world of scheduling. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, Alabama actually has a lot of their dates confirmed. I didn't know, I'll be honest, I didn't know they had this many confirmed. They've got, yeah, at Wisconsin on September 14th. Uh, They have Georgia September 28th. They've got at Tennessee, October 19th, the LSU game on the road, November 9th, at Oklahoma, November 23rd, before Auburn goes to Bryant-Denny the very next week. So Alabama's got a tough schedule next year, Mark. Who is their fourth road game? I know they've got LSU, Tennessee, and uh, Oklahoma. Who is their fourth uh, road Van- game? Uh, Vanderbilt there in Nashville. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, I didn't know if you talked about it, so I was just going to throw that out there. Yeah, no, I appreciate I love it. love show. Yeah, appreciate it, Mark. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate you calling in. Always good to hear from you. 334-321-1390. I had not talked about that yet today, and that's something that we get to talk about as the offseason continues and as we get into next year, right, is looking at the schedule once it's finalized. Uh, Most of Auburn's times and days have not been released. Uh, Again, Auburn only has four of their games and days actually released. They... Open the year with Cal, then New Mexico State, or New Mexico, apologies, ULM, and then the Iron Bowl at the very end of the year. Everything else is up for grabs right now. Whereas Alabama, man, they got a tough schedule, man. They've got Georgia at home, at Wisconsin, at Tennessee, at LSU, at Oklahoma. Ugh, that's terrible. And then the very next week is when Auburn goes to Bryant-Denny. So, hey, don't forget about that road game at Vanderbilt now, Mark. I heard you I heard you shake that game off. You never know. <laughs> you never know what can happen there in Nashville. We'll take a break. When we come back, Daryl Dapridge joins us on the phone lines, our regular Tuesday guest. Excited to talk to him about Auburn football and basketball. That's coming up here on ESPN 106.7. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 
We've got 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man Jacob Goins inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio, and we welcome in our regularly scheduled Tuesday guest. It is Daryl Dapperts, the Montgomery radio legend himself, joining us on the phone lines. Double D, hope you're doing good, man. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday with everybody in the family, and hope you're doing well. Man, I did, and I hope you did as well. It was nice to get away and, and uh, spend some time with family. I did not realize that where I was down in Orlando that I could have scouted Auburn's next basketball opponent uh, since Virginia Tech was down there playing in the uh, ESPN Events Invitational at the Wide World of Sports. So that would I didn't even realize that. how And that was a tournament, as you know, that Auburn was in a couple years ago but got canceled because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So I failed as an Auburn basketball analyst or you know someone that talks about it by not checking out the Hokies a little bit did Zach fire you basketball out there first right yeah that's right I noticed I did notice that did Zach uh did Zach fire you for for not covering the team as well as you should have no he didn't uh that game was played yeah that game was played on Friday which I still wasn't in a state of shock I I still had all my functions (laughs) and talk and all that good stuff so yeah uh there was a lot of Iowa State fans down there uh, they were actually watching the football game Saturday night at an establishment I was at against Kansas State. And I will say this, they were loud, they were vocal, they were into that game. There's about 30 of them watching the football game in the snow. So it was interesting uh, that they were down there as well. But that's a good little tournament, um, and I hope that Auburn has an opportunity to get back there. Uh, that would be a fun one to go cover. Yeah, it would. It, it absolutely would. And so I'm uh, glad you had a good holiday. And I know there was a, there was an event that probably put a little bit of a damper on that. Um, something we've had to talk about for the last two days on this station here on ESPN 106.7 with the Iron Bowl. And Daryl, I know you have thoughts. I know you have comments, man. I'm going to open it up to you and just let you let you roll because I know there are just so many things to talk about. But good thing is... We are a couple of days removed, and I think that gives us a little bit clearer of a, of a view and visual of what happened on Saturday. Yeah, perspective is gained through time. And it's now that I've had a couple days away, I will tell you it doesn't sting any less. The, the, the absolute uh, improbability of that or having something like that you know, snatched away, I get it. I mean, that, it, it's, it, it's still is there, you know, and it, it's going to take a little while, I think, to the, it, it, for, for that kind of feeling to wash over. But I, I'll say this, gaining some perspective and having done the podcast Saturday night right after it happened with Zach, there's some things from an articulation standpoint looking back on it that I probably could have, could have said better, and this is an opportunity on your show to kind of express that. I think that people fell into, that they fall into two camps are two factions after that game, looking big picture. Number one, there is a group of folks that were on Twitter, that are Auburn Twitter, even beat writers, people that I know that are in in a group that, you know, we have group chats and some of the sources and people we talk to. They were absolutely, you know, although upset about the game, were looking big picture right out of the gate, saying, hey, this game, you got to look, play the long game. Mm Mm-hmm. Auburn had recruits on campus. Look at the way they played. Look at the environment. No one gave them a chance. Um, it's all about recruiting at this point and what's going to happen down the road. And Auburn is definitely on the right track and going to be leaked. And I, I, I get all that. So that's that camp that kind of 
downplayed the loss a little bit looking big picture. I am in no position to tell anybody that they can't feel that way about it. They absolutely can feel like, okay, I'm going to take something very positive out of this. No one should tell anybody how they should feel about that. Then there's that other group, that second faction, that says, look, first of all, there's nothing guaranteed in sports. To just automatically assume to have a crystal ball that this program is going to be elite in a couple years, although it's trending in the right direction, you don't know that. Nobody does. Right. To, to assume that all the five stars that were on campus are going to flip, are going to sign, you don't know until signing day. And even if they do, they those two things should be exclusive of each other. Getting a kid to sign on signing day should not make you feel any better about that loss, period. They're two separate things. And then, of course, there's that whole, you know, fact of how it happened, uh, you know, the, the, the improbability of it, the choking aspect of it, okay? I mean, just being honest. So mm-hmm. for those that feel that way about it, they're not being overly dramatic. They're not being unrealistic. They have every right to feel that it was devastating. And it was absolutely brutal, you know. And, and so I think what I've realized is people were too harsh on each other both ways about how to feel about this. I think you could feel either way about that game and that outcome, and it's okay because everyone has different opinions and they're wired differently. I fall on the side of it ain't upwards football. We don't give participation trophies. I could give a crap about moral victories recruiting who was on, I mean I care a lot about recruiting I'm talking about in the moment yeah about who was on campus about who's going to sign December 20th does not do a thing to take away the sting of that loss that stuff is to feel good down the road I get it but again nobody has a crystal ball and nobody knows exactly how Auburn will recover from this and what trajectory they're going to go on we feel like we do we feel like we, I know you freeze is an excellent recruiter I, I 100% think the program is in great hands. I think he's the man for the job. I'm excited about him and the future. But let's quit acting like all these things are guaranteed and rubber stamping them like we just know. that all You don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't know. You had Tuberville and Pat Dye, which two of the, the best coaches that Auburn had in the modern era, and neither one of them ever played for a national championship. They had, you know, Tuberville had an undefeated season. I got close, but neither one of them, and they were the two greater coaches since Suge, played for a national championship. There are no guarantees. And what makes this so much worse, and it's the obvious reason, is the fact that it's Alabama, and it's the Iron Bowl, right? And it's the fourth straight loss in the Iron Bowl, and and there, I mean, we have all. I know a bunch of seniors that are on campus, you know, that are that are students, and they literally didn't get to see Auburn beat Alabama in their time as a student at Auburn, which is sad for me to say. It wasn't me, thankfully. I at least got one, but it's just all those things that play into it, and then on top of it. It's the Iron Bowl between Auburn and Alabama, where Auburn played well enough to win, Daryl, and had the had the game almost in their hands, but a muffed punt gave it back to Alabama, and then of course the bad snap in the fourth and thirty-one. I mean, just so many crazy things, and it gave Alabama fans one of the one of the best finishes they've had in this historical Iron Bowl. Yes, absolutely. Here's the part about it that's the most crushing. Okay, and people can wash this off or explain it away, but you can't. 
Okay, here's the facts. Auburn absolutely had Alabama on the ropes. Alabama was trying to gift Auburn that football. After the muffed punt, which at the end of the day, okay, I'm not even going to it was brutal, but it was four minutes to go, up four. Right. If Auburn goes three and out there, which Alabama's defense had kind of bowed their neck the last couple drives, you're punting back to Alabama with when they had their timeouts with about three minutes left to go. The probability of Alabama being able to score in three minutes is pretty high. I mean, it's not like that was a, a wing and a prayer. So you have the muffed punt, and yet you still overcome that with two absolutely stupid plays that Alabama is handing you and trying to gift you the ball game. The, the, the snap, and then the throwing over the line of scrimmage, which in, incorporates a loss of down mm-hmm. as well as five yards. You are fourth and 31, and Alabama's about to let you escape after you muffed a punt. And what do you do? You say, no thanks. I'm going to gift it right back. That's the issue. If Alabama would have scored after the muffed punt and just, you know, just went down the field and scored, you don't have an issue. I mean, you're upset about the muffed punt. Or if Auburn doesn't muff the punt and they kick, after punt after going three and out, and Alabama comes right down the field and scores late to win like they did in 2021. Well, they actually tied it in 2021, not won it. But you, you, it's less devastating. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. You are starting in your mind to accept the fact and you're celebrating this game's over and Auburn's about to upset their biggest rival, knock them out of the playoff, and beat the number eight team in the country. And, oh, by the way, win seven games and go up the bowl pecking order. I let myself get to that point on 4th and 31. I did. As soon as the snap was about to happen, I was preparing for all those good things. And well, so it was hard not lives, to. It's hard not to. And now, I had people in the room with me going, including my daughter, Dad, Auburn has struggled on 3rd and long and 2nd and long and 4th and long. Because I got up out of my chair. I was excited after the – you know, the, the – uh, the forward pass over yeah. the line of scrimmage I got. And I say excited. It's not as a fanboy. We cover Auburn. I'm credentialed to cover Auburn. It's what it would mean for the Auburn family and for a program you're covering and you followed for years. It's a different feeling than it was the last few years when I just watched games as a fan. Mm-hmm. But when you're credentialed and you follow them, it's just a whole different deal. And an exciting because finish to a football game. Exactly. And it's a fan base that you – that you interact with, that you're happy for, and people that you know. So, you know, there's just a whole lot of different aspects to it. It also makes you realize that you've got to get about an hour's worth of just unload it, unplug, emotionally dump it, because you've got a show to do. Mm -hmm. And that's a different dynamic that people, some people reached out and were very kind and said, I don't know how you and Zach do that. But I think of people like Andy Burcham that have to do post-game interviews and all that kind of stuff, it's just part of it. Um, where I used to just want to leave my house and go for a walk and not talk to him, but you can't do that. Nope. And that, I'm talking about in any sporting event. I've been a passionate sports fan since I was eight years old, whether it was the Pittsburgh teams where I grew up and was raised, or whatever. I, you know, I mean, I watched Sid Bream slide home mm. as, a, as a diehard Pittsburgh Pirate fan. So, you know, that's, I will say this, <laughs> that... The double dribble and this are the three, as a sports fan, as a sports enthusiast, someone who follows particular teams, 
that's how, in my opinion, how devastating it was. Those are the three, huh? Those are the three. Wow. So because of the uh, because of the absoluteness of it, and right. the absolutely ripping the you know you, you you couldn't mentally prepare. You were already celebrating, and so that's what that's what makes it doubly brutal. Daryl Dapperts joining us on the phone lines here during the Tuesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. He joins us every Tuesday here on the show. Before uh, we get out of here, Daryl, I do want to switch gears really quickly with Auburn basketball, something that is a little bit more positive, and we've got all offseason for football and basketball season to talk more about the football program and with the transfer portal opening up in the crazy month of December. Excited to get your thoughts about all of that in the coming weeks. But with Auburn basketball, they're playing in the SEC ACC Challenge tomorrow. They will host Virginia Tech. Maybe not the the most exciting matchup or one that Auburn fans were particularly looking for, but a good opportunity for Auburn to get back on the floor, work on some things, and maybe in 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 Bruce Pearl's begging of this team, put two halves together and play a full 40 minutes of basketball. I understand that a lot of people are giving Virginia Tech a really good chance in this game and hyping them up. I'm just going to be honest. I don't see it. I don't either. And here's why. I've broken it down. Virginia Tech has beaten Coppin State, Campbell, Wofford, Boise State, and the only quality one they have is against Iowa State. They got boat raced by Florida Atlantic 84-50. to That's right, 84-50. to They got beat by 34. South Carolina beat them, who's not a really strong program, by 79-77. Virginia Tech has yet to play a true road game. They're undefeated at home in Blacksburg, and then they've, they've not gone on the road as a true road game. They're 2-2 two and two at neutral site. They played the Hall of Fame series in Charlotte, North Carolina, where they lost to South Carolina, and then, as we mentioned, they lost down at Disney. They haven't played in an environment yet this year like they're going to see tomorrow night. And, again, where's the quality win? Is it Iowa State, who was unranked on a neutral floor? I don't know. I, I suspect if Auburn does what they're supposed to do tomorrow and play a high-level game and play like they did against Notre Dame or, or uh, St. Bonaventure and come out and hit shots, that this could be a comfortable win for Auburn. If they don't and they struggle shooting the basketball and get out of that funk and start to do crazy things and play more individual and, and lose their man back door and don't play the kind of defense that, that Bruce Pearl wants them to play because Virginia can shoot it a little bit, then it could be a problem. But Florida Atlantic ran at them. They took away the three-point line. They ran out at the three-point line. So I would suspect Auburn would do something similar to have similar success. Any other game in this SEC-ACC challenge that kind of has has caught your eye? I know it starts tonight, have games tonight and tomorrow. Any of the other matchups in this first-ever SEC-ACC challenge that Daryl Dappert will have his eyes on? North Carolina, uh, refresh my memory, who's North Carolina playing? Uh, so you've got uh, Miami, Kentucky, which is a top uh, top fifteen, top twelve matchup, and then uh, North Carolina plays tomorrow, and they play Tennessee, hosting Tennessee. That one, that one, yeah. I mean, that I, forgot, I knew I knew it was a, a, a upper echelon SEC team. That one has me very interested in the Kentucky Miami, just because Miami's coach is a wizard. You know, he, he absolutely defensively draws things up. And is such a, a really good coach, even when he's undermanned from a roster standpoint. Miami is so well coached, and especially on the defensive end, they cause teams to go away offensively what they're comfortable with. I want to see what Kentucky does against that dude's defense and how he coaches. And then, of course, you yeah, have the North Carolina-Tennessee matchup uh, very much 
uh, a high level matchup. So that's I'm glad. That, look, it's fun that they changed conferences. You know, it was the SEC Big Twelve mm-hmm. challenge for a while, so that that they line up with ACC teams uh, is a nice little change. Auburn doesn't draw a sexy team in Virginia Tech. Unfortunately, I would have liked to see. I would have loved to see an Auburn Georgia Tech matchup. Yeah. I really would have. I know Georgia Tech's not upper echelon, but just the proximity and the history between the two schools that would have been a fun matchup. Yeah, I would have. Well, hopefully Auburn can get some better matchups in the years to come. Uh, of course, Daryl Dapridge, Montgomery Radio legend and guest on Locked on Auburn on Fridays and also in all the post-game reaction shows. Late night for you and Zach Blackerby tomorrow, sir. Tip-off 8-15. You guys going to be able to handle that? Yeah, it seems to be the, the, the trend this year. We've done a <laughs> lot of games at 10-30. And, uh, oh. They're fun to do if you're coming off a win. Uh, and then, of course, we are. We'll talk more about this next week because we'll probably know Auburn's bowl location. But Zach and I are seriously mulling over being on site and lo- at the location of the bowl game uh, and covering Auburn's bowl selection as well. Okay, it's not the Texas Bowl. I think that uh, any of the other four that Auburn's been rumored are within five hours driving distance. Uh, you might see us pop up and doing it from location. Uh-oh. Well, hey, man, I hope you guys do that. You you do a wonderful job uh, with Locked on Auburn and all your radio appearances, man. Let everybody know where they can find you, keep up with you, and everything you got going on, man. Where you get your podcast and on YouTube, Locked on Auburn. Like Jacob said, we'll do reaction shows, and I'm on there every Friday. And then Monday mornings with our good friend Ben Taylor on the uh, talk, talk show there. We, we do a little 7 from like 710 to 730 uh, on WANI. We do a little show, so it's fun. Awesome, man. Hey, I appreciate you. Again, glad to have you back on the show. Glad you had a good Thanksgiving, and I'm looking forward to talking to you for the weeks to come. Sounds good, Jacob. Have a good one, buddy. Thanks so much. That's Double D, Daryl Dapperts, joining us here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. we got to get to our final break. We'll come back and wrap it all up here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Got a couple of minutes before we get out of here, and I'll hand over the studio to Bill and Dan for the drive. Hey, we appreciate Double D, Daryl Dapperts, for joining us on the phone lines as he does every Tuesday. I always enjoy talking to him, man. That segment flies by each and every week. One of our favorite guests here on the show. He always has, uh, I, I say this every time, he has such unique perspectives and, and, and ways to put things for somebody that has uh, loved this team and covered this team for so long like Daryl Dappert has, and so uh, and Auburn, just the school in general. So we appreciate him joining us each and every week. Been a great show. It's flown by today. Uh, if you missed any of it, be sure to catch the show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Just search on the line. It's posted commercial free after each and every show, or you can go to our station website at ESPNA and our podcast center and you can find it right there as well coming up tomorrow rivalry wednesday jordan hill back on the show from dogs 247 get his thoughts on the upcoming sec championship game for the georgia bulldogs plus start talking some basketball as basketball season is officially here and austin hannon of bama central the sports illustrated site for alabama we'll talk to him about the iron bowl and about alabama basketball they play they play tonight or tomorrow i think they play tonight Night. Yes, Alabama basketball playing Clemson tonight in the SEC-ACC Challenge. Alabama still a top 
25 team and Clemson undefeated on the season. So excited to talk to Austin Hannon about that tomorrow as well. Couple of picks I'll give you tonight. Let's see what we got going on here. SCC ACC Challenge. I'll take Mississippi State over Georgia Tech, who's only played four games. That's kind of weird. Um, I'll take South Carolina over Notre Dame. I'll take Syracuse over LSU. They're hosting LSU. Miami, Kentucky. Man, what a game that is in Rupp Arena. Miami, the eighth team in the country. Kentucky, 12. I'll take the Canes. Quickly, I'll take Pittsburgh over Missouri. I'll take NC State over Ole Miss. And I think Alabama will take care of Clemson tonight in the SEC-ACC Challenge. We'll also talk Auburn basketball tomorrow because they play Virginia Tech in that SEC-ACC Challenge. So excited for that. Should be a great show here tomorrow, 2-4, to four, right here on ESPN 106.7. Uncle T-Bone will be back. It's Wednesday. He'll be in the studio as well. And until then, I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.